Steve is joined by Rob Hansen uh, to talk about medical missions and the Emanuel Hospital Association. Join the conversation anytime, 800-555-7898. It's Dawnesty in the morning and it's Friday. You know, I think one of the things that we don't necessarily talk as much about in some of our churches today is what we potentially used to is medical missions. I remember I heard quite a bit about that growing up, and maybe that was because I had an aunt who was a medical missionary. She was uh, over in Africa, and everybody knew Aunt Hilda went to Africa and gave her life to medical missions, right? But that's not something that I know that we necessarily hear quite as much about. Uh, these days. So Rob Hansen is with the Emanuel Hospital Association. And uh, Rob, have you kind of sensed a little bit like we we don't necessarily talk about this as much, or is that just the circles that I'm running in? Uh, It might just be the circles you're running in, Steve. I'm not sure. You know, we have to watch those circles. But uh, I guess what what I'd say about uh, medical missions these days is there's as much need for Americans to be involved with health care and medical services overseas as there ever has been. But it does vary a lot from one nation to the next as to what the opportunities are and what the needs are of those particular uh, specialties. Yeah, I would imagine that uh, the needs every generation actually gets bigger and bigger because our population continues to get bigger and bigger. Therefore, needs are going to get there. I just uh, would love to see maybe the the church, American church, recapture a vision for taking the gospel to all people using whatever means necessary. And I would think missions has got to be and medical missions has got to be one that is a fantastic cook because in so many parts of the world, medical services are just not there like what we expect. And I know you're super involved in India. Mm-hmm. So give us an idea of the state of health care and opportunities for medical missions in India. Yeah, it really varies in, uh, a lot from one region of the country to the next. First of all, let's, stop it. let's start it at the highest level. The highest level is that India is, uh, is, a, is a conglomeration of, of many, many different sort of almost sub-nations. Um, and South India, broadly speaking, is much, much different than North India. Hmm. Uh, South India is uh, sophisticated uh, call centers, information technology, uh, glass office parks, whereas North India is largely rural, large, uh, largely poor, um, uh, and those who are uh, marginalized. And so that's the area where the organization that I'm with, the Emanuel Hospital Association, has the, the main focus of what they do. And so it, it varies a lot. These days, the Indian government is not particularly friendly to having foreign missionaries come in with regard to medical care. Um, at the same time, medical care in India Homegrown doctors and nurses have, have has risen in sophistication and in quality and so forth. So overall, the country is rising with regard to healthcare indices, uh, but there still is a need for medical missions. And there's a particular slant that the Emanuel Hospital Association brings to that, and that is this: that they are medical missionaries within their own country. It's not. I oftentimes use the uh, the analogy that where we we view people who serve as missionaries on shall we say, Native American reservations or mm-hmm. in very poor areas in Appalachia. Uh, those are, that, that's a parallel to the medical mission work that's going on in India as doctors, many of them trained in the South, 
yeah. move to the north and do medical missions within India. All right, so we're going to continue to talk about uh, kind of what's unique uh, there and what EHA does. But you had mentioned the fact that the government not necessarily friendly to uh, outsiders coming in. Are they friendly to their their own people, doctors sharing the gospel? Because I've been hearing that there's an increase in persecution of Christians in India. You're, you're, you're exactly right, Steve. You are well-informed. Uh, there certainly has been that. Our teams have uh, had persecution um, in a variety of settings, and it looks very different from one area to the, to the next with regard to what the particular uh, focus of the uh, local authorities might be with regard to their uh, Hindu nationalism. Um, it varies a lot based upon what the relationship is with the, of the hospital with the local authorities and actually with the people in the in that region as well but there certainly has been a significant increase in persecution we have had um, personnel that have been arrested and detained up to this point in time we have had no op- no difficulty with regard to continuing to operate as hospitals but but certainly the challenges are growing um, growing month by month yeah. So as your the teams of uh, EHA are out there and they're providing medical care, who are they ministering to? I mean, is it broad brush? Can you kind of give us an idea of what typical care and patients are like? Sure, sure, of course. Uh, EHA altogether has 19 hospitals that are scattered across North India, as I've said. Um, they, um, they provide medical care to anyone who comes to the hospital. Uh, there is no patient that is ever turned away, whether they have the ability to pay or not. And uh, EHA functions on a fee-for-services basis. Patients are charged to see the doctor. Now, um, a, a typical checkup might cost a dollar. Uh, might, it might cost a dollar fifty. But you have to remember that some of the patients that are coming to see the doctor at the EHA hospitals are desperately poor. Yeah. And they might only be earning uh, $2 a day. For example, uh, that is the global poverty level of between two and three dollars a day, and there are many, many people uh, with EHA who are served by EHA who um, earn at that level. Uh, if 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 a wealthy patient from the community comes, the wealthy patient pays. If a middle income patient from the community comes, they pay middle income kinds of rates, and and the poor, if they are not able to afford uh, payment at all, then they don't have to pay. Wow. What do you wish the North American evangelical church could grasp about medical missions in, in uh, pover- po- impoverished parts of the world? Mm-hmm. What do you wish that uh, the, the North American church would say, oh, we, if you could tell them one thing and say, I want you to get this, yeah. what would it be? Well, I think in recent years, there, there have been two sort of streams of movement. One is we have to provide care for people. We have to provide medical services for, for people. We have to feed the body. Uh, as, and then there's another stream that's been we have to focus on feeding the soul. We, 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 we have to reach them with the message of the gospel. The reality is there's power in the balance. Yeah. We need to be doing both. And so if I can say anything to our listeners, what I would say is that EHA is dedicated day in and day out to doing a combination of both, caring for the body and also ministering to the soul. 
If you got a uh, comment or question about medical missions this morning, love to hear from you. You can text in 800-555-7898. As we talk with Executive Director of the Emanuel Hospital Association USA, you can check them out, ehausa.org. Rob Hansen with us uh, for a little bit here. And again, if you got a question or comment, 800-555-7898. You're listening to Dawn and Steve in the Morning on Moody Radio. And you can always contact us on uh, our Facebook page, Don Steve in the Morning. You're going to find links there to the Emanuel Hospital Association. It's uh, if, and if you're not on Facebook, we're happy to text that to you or simply go to ehausa.org. Rob Hansen is their executive director. And as we talk about medical missions and the need for uh, medical care in India, how great Rob, is the need, actually. Yeah, it's trem- so there's tremendous need still. And th- this is one of the things that we always battle against, as I was referring to in our previous segment. People oftentimes think of e- uh, think of India as being this sort of, uh, you know, rising uh, lion of a country. And it is, in many ways, more significant than ever on the global stage. But um, there are vast differences from one part of the country to the next. Again, the south part of India, sophisticated, great medical care, great hospitals, and even even in the large cities in the north. But when you get out into the rural areas, you can't imagine the desperate need that there is uh, for the poor. And one of the things is that the government doesn't want to always admit that things aren't quite the way they would like them to be. There are oftentimes government hospitals or government clinics in these small towns and small cities where EHA is located, but there are no doctors there. Wow. And there are no nurses there, and there are no pharmaceuticals available to patients. Patients go and they find doors locked. And so they don't have an option other than turning to some other um, uh, private um, organization, such as the Emanuel Hospital Association yeah. and others. I wouldn't want to say that EHA is the only, but EHA is a very significant player. Well, the biggest player, right, be outside of uh, the government hospitals and stuff, isn't EHA the largest in in is it all of India or just it, North India? It is. It is in all of India. There wow. is the largest network of non-governmental uh, organization hospitals in all of India, and we think perhaps the largest assist hospital system of its kind in the world. Wow. That, okay. So the need is huge, and you're stepping into that space and serving those that you can. About how many people? A year, do you see? Well, we see an awful lot of people. We see almost 2 million people a year with regard to providing health care. Now, there are, there are really two major, major prongs of what EHA does ab- across all of its locations. One prong is providing medical care in the hospitals for people. And so these are, this is, as you might expect, this is where people come to the hospital uh, to get care. It might be just a, a checkup. It might mm-hmm. be a, a serious situation. It might be um, prenatal care. It might be to deliver a baby. Uh, We deliver almost 25,000 babies a year. Um, That's one major prong. The other major prong is outreach from the hospital. uh, EHA has more than 50 community health and development projects of all different kinds uh, that reach out into the community. Like what? What does that mean? So, So community development projects, community health projects are things like palliative care things like uh, literacy, things like economic development, things like education in the community, uh, human trafficking, um, nurse, nurses training, a wide variety of kinds of things that are, are related to health care but are really more outreach from the hospital. So I know trafficking is, trafficking is one of those things that I think we're becoming more and more and more aware of. And, you know, that movie Sound of Freedom, that was such a huge mm-hmm. blockbuster in this past year, raised the conversation and the consciousness, I think, of many of us to have a better understanding and, and scope of what is going right. on here. 
How big of a problem in India is this? Human trafficking is a massive problem in India. And, and we oftentimes go right away to sex trafficking. And that certainly is a significant component of human trafficking. But human trafficking also involves uh, forced labor. Uh, desperately poor people are looking for ways to generate income for their family. They need mm-hmm. to feed their family. And so as a result, if somebody from a city comes and talks to a group of fathers in a remote village and promises certain type of employment, certain level of wages, uh, to children who would come and work in the city for that individual, that sounds pretty attractive. And then those children are taken, whether they're male or female, and they're brought into the cities and they're put into a sweatshop type of arrangement. They're, uh, in some cases, sex trafficked. Uh, it, just horrific kinds of uh, situations. And EHA tries to address that. EHA has tried to address, is trying to address that at the source. The, 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 most significant, the most significant way you can fight human trafficking is helping people, families in remote villages, poor families, understand what's happening and what the potential is that their children will be trafficked if they're taken into the city. Yeah, so it sounds like it's largely just an educational thing, like you need to know. That if this happens, if these guys come, this is probably what's going to happen to your kids. Yes, there yeah. is a there is a rescue component to it in the cities. EHA will work with law enforcement officials and others yeah. in order to re- actually rescue children that are in human traffic have been trafficked. But the much much more effective effort is to prevent it in the first place. Yeah. Well, there's a lot that EHA does. We're just scratching the surface. Medical missions certainly very much. A uh, thing that I hope the church is caring about. And we're going to continue to talk with Rob Hansen about this coming up in uh, just a few moments. If you've got a question or comment, feel free to text in this morning, 800-555-7898. We're going to come back and uh, dive into the gospel with medical missions and why that is such an important component. That's ahead here on Moody Radio. You're listening to Dawn and Steve in the Morning on Moody Radio. Call us at 800-555-7898. We talk about the word medical missions, and uh, that second part of that component is the missions part right there. Providing that health care is great, but Rob, I know that one of the big reasons we do that is not only to care for the body physically, but to care for the soul eternally. And so in a place like India, where the Emanuel Hospital Association is active, how are you able or are you able to share the gospel? Yeah, well, Steve, as, as we've uh, kind of touched, uh, there is a, a, a rising sense of, of caution on the part of uh, Christians in, in India. Uh, India guarantees freedom of religion, but in practice that doesn't always play out the way we would like to uh, see it play out. But uh, EHA's personnel uh, go about their work trying to be um, quality nurses, quality doctors, quality community health specialists, and allow their work to be their witness. Hmm. And as they do that, I think people look at what they're doing, and they wonder why they're doing it. In a remote part of North India, where there are uh, desperately poor uh, people, and where the living conditions are nowhere near what they are like in uh, the city, Um, we have doctors and nurses who dedicate themselves to serving the poor at a much lower salary, in a much less uh, sophisticated facility, weaker forms of equipment, lack of professional development opportunities, serious deficiencies with regard to education for their children. These are the challenges that these people take up. So are they missionaries? You better believe they are. They believe that, that they want to live and they want to 
demonstrate the realities of their faith uh, to the people they serve. Hmm. Well, I love the fact that uh, they're doing that. And we often talk about the fact that, well, if you're going to be a Christian follower of Christ, there may be a price that is to be paid. They're paying it yes. in a very, very real way. And uh, I have not traveled uh, a ton, but as I've traveled overseas and been in different countries, one of the things that that the, the foreign church seems to understand and accept is the fact that there really is going to be a cost for following Jesus where they are. And uh, unfortunately, that kind of seems like a foreign concept for us here in the yep. States, at yep. least in relation to uh, what our brothers and sisters around the world are facing. But as we think about medical missions, broad brush, what you've experienced firsthand being a part of the Emanuel Hospital Association, if you were to issue a challenge to the North American church about how we can think maybe more globally, effectively, missionally, what would that challenge be? Mm, boy, well, thank you for the opportunity to say that. And I'm uh, cognizant of the fact that this is a great privilege to have the opportunity to challenge some of our listeners, some of whom will be pastors or leaders in churches. I guess what I would say is <clears throat> make sure that you keep missions at the forefront of what your church is doing and talking about. I think that's really critical. I, I think there are churches, I won't say that churches today are, are um, uh, wholesale pulling back from missions, but I think the education and, and structure of churches, uh, educational structure of churches does not put missions maybe quite as far forward as it once was. And so mm -hmm. I, I think it's important to have people um, be educated and learning more and more about what the church around the world is doing. I mean, think about it. Our world is more globally connected than ever. We have, it, it's easier than ever to connect with a, a missionary that's serving in Africa or in Latin America or, or anywhere in the world. And, and maybe we do it less than we used to. And so I think being intentional with regard to education is really important. A second thing is I think the whole idea of going and visiting and seeing and volunteering is really important. Now, many make the argument that that's very expensive to send a group of people from here in the United States to another place around the world where, where it wouldn't it be better just to send the money? Well, sure, it would probably be better to send the money in a certain sense. It'd be more efficient. But the reality is as people go and they see and they touch and they experience, they, they understand what God is doing around the world, and they get excited about their own spiritual walk, they get their, their own faith in Christ, and they're like, I want more of that, and I want to see us do more of that. How has that played out in, in your life? Because, you know, disclosure here, I went to India, oh man, it was probably 12 years ago, something like that. Actually did go to uh, the EHA offices and got to experience and see some of this uh, a little bit firsthand. And it is uh, a moving experience, and it does give you a different perspective maybe, and you're able to look at things a little bit differently than you did because it's, it's firsthand experiential knowledge here. How has that played out in your life? Yeah, so I, I've, I've served in missions uh, in a variety of capacities over the years, and I have had the opportunity to go on short-term mission trips. I remember back almost 40 years ago now, I went on a short-term mission trip, had an opportunity to go to what was then we referred to as a former communist nation, um, and, and, um, and, and saw firsthand what the church was doing and how the church was ministering behind the Iron Curtain. <clears throat> Pardon me. And I saw lives being touched, people, being, uh, people walking with the Lord, 
dedicated to the gospel, and, and it was very motivational for me. It, hmm. it, it drew me along. It heightened the importance of Christian ministry, both here in the U.S. and around the world, for me personally. And it's one of the things that made working with the Emanuel Hospital Association so, so attractive for me. Well, Rob Hansen, who's been joining us, is the executive director of EHA USA, the Emanuel Hospital Association uh, American branch. And you can find out more about what they do when you visit their website. It is ehausa.org. That is ehausa.org. And we're linking you to them through our Facebook page, Don and Steve in the Morning. And Rob, so appreciate you coming in and joining us this morning. Didn't get the whole conversation? Solution. Dawn and Steve in the morning on the Moody Radio app. The conversation much of the morning has been about the gospel. We've talked a little bit earlier this morning with Mark Hancock at Trail Life USA, a distinctly Christian scouting type program with the intent of bringing the gospel and the the knowledge of relationship with Jesus to boys uh, all around this country here. Talking with Rob Hansen a few minutes ago about the gospel and using the uh, entryway of medical missions to bring in medicine, to bring the gospel to some of the most impoverished people around the world. And maybe you've been listening to Moody Radio for a little bit of time now. Maybe you've just stumbled across us in the last little bit and you're like, yeah, I keep hearing you guys talk about the gospel. I keep hearing you talk about Jesus and, you know, why is why is that such an important thing and behind so much of what you do? And really, it's why we do what we do here at Moody Radio. You know, and we uh, know that the gospel is to incorporate all of life. But what is the gospel? Well, that word simply means good news. And there is no better news in all the world than the fact that we can be known by God and right with him and we can know him. You know, the Bible talks about the fact that we were created by God to have a relationship with him. But the fact is, sin entered the world all the way back with Adam and Eve. And uh, because of sin, we've been separated from God. We deserve his judgment because we've broken his commands. But God has said, you know what? I've created man. I've created people to have a relationship with me. And so he's made a way for us to escape that wrath of God that we so rightly deserve. He's made a way for us to have those sins forgiven, to be paid for, and that is through the death of Jesus. You know, we're not too many months away from Easter, and you know what happens just a couple days before Easter? The day we call Good Friday, the day we remember the fact that Jesus went to the cross, and his blood was shed, his life was laid down as a sacrifice as a payment for sin, your sin and for mine. And because he then rose three days later, conquering sin and conquering death, our sins have been could be paid for. We can be forgiven. But what do we need to do for that to happen? Let's believe that Jesus is who he says he is, the Son of God who lived a sinless life and paid the penalty for our sin, that he rose again, conquering sin and death. We turn, we ask for the forgiveness of God, We trust in the promises of God that our sins are forgiven when we confess those sins and we believe in the risen Lord Jesus Christ. That's the the simple news, the good news of the gospel. And if you want to find out more about that, maybe you want to dive a little bit deeper into that, you've got questions about that, I want to encourage you to go check out our website. It is mymoodyradio.org, the top right-hand corner of that website. It says, How to Know Christ. You're going to see a link there. It says, How to Know Christ. 
Go to mymoodyradio.org, click on that top right-hand corner link, How to Know Christ, and you can learn more about beginning that relationship with Jesus.